Yeah, but what is anger? Um, yeah, it comes from algae. Mm-hmm. It's actually used in desserts and stuff in Asian culture. And so but the stuff on the dish, you can just eat it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ohio Sci, where we explore new science and technology being done in Ohio. We talk to the researchers on the cutting edge of biotech, energy, ag tech, and more and let them explain what they're finding, how it works, and where all of these discoveries are taking us in the future. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Ben Finley and Michelle Gatchel. Welcome to this special edition of Ohio Sci. We have a great show for you today. You know, we are, have been working this semester with students from Otterbein University, and they have been helping us find guests, do social media posts for our show, they are amazing, and this episode is actually interviewing one of those guests that Matiana Medina, a student in this Otterbein University class, found for us, and Dean Bellinger and Ryan Mihalik, also students in the class, joined Cynthia to do this interview. Cynthia, tell me about what you found. Yeah, well, we found that you were not able to be there, and that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, it was. I wanted to go. Yeah, <laughs> little bit of illness. COVID. COVID hit me bad. <laughs> well, we were all sorry you didn't get to be there. What you missed was we sat down with Dr. Jennifer Bennett, a professor with and chair of the Department of Biology and Earth Sciences at Otterbein, and two of her undergraduate students. Undergraduate students? Undergraduates, Ashni Patel and Fungthia Lee. And I think it is very interesting and unusual that undergraduates get to do this research yeah. it's it's fantastic they research the bacteria streptomyces i don't know if you've ever heard of streptomyces i have not no i did not either it's a soil bacteria it's a bacteria that lives in soil all around us all around the world apparently tons and tons of different species of streptomyces but they they're the bacteria that makes dirt smell like dirt Oh really? It's true. We get to you'll get to hear that a little bit in the middle of that. You know, episode. there are some people and I have seen my nephew even made a candle that smells like dirt. He so did? I wonder if they use that, you know, streptomyces in the candle. I bet they did. <laughs> streptomyces is also important because this bacteria produces more than two thirds, we learned, of commercially important antibiotics. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So, Dr. So, I'm going to eat some soil and get some antibodies. I would not do that. Oh, darn it. I would think that Dr. Bennett would not not think that's a good idea either. (laughs) Especially since some of the antibiotics they produce are more geared towards helping potatoes be healthy. Oh, okay. Food products. All right. Cool. Although they uh, they do produce some important human drugs as well. Okay. So, I look forward to hearing more. Excellent. Well, now let's uh, get right to our chat with Dr. Bennett and her student. We are sitting in a room here with Dr. Jennifer Bennett of Otterbein University and a couple of students. Uh, can you two introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Dean Bellinger. My name is Ryan Mahalik. And these folks are going to help me out with this interview and her two students. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Fungthia. Fungthia? And my name's Ashney. And Ashney. Okay, we're going to talk streptomyces. So we'll all do our best to explain what the heck happens in this lab to Michelle (laughs) remotely. Jennifer, I would love to hear a little bit about yourself, your full title, and how you came to be here at Otterbein. 
Yes, um, my name is Dr. Jennifer Bennett, and I'm a full professor here at Otterbein, and I'm the chair of biology and earth science as well. I am a microbial geneticist, and so I work on streptomyces, and I, I guess I got into this area of research. Um, I've always wanted to be a scientist growing up. Um, I had been wanting to do all kinds of different things though, like marine biologist, veterinarian, and then I found that I really liked education when I started in science outreach and decided to do a master's degree, found I loved research, stayed in there and did my PhD, and then actually did a teaching postdoc, came here, and I love working with students. So. Where did you do your undergraduate? Yes, my undergraduate, I was at a small liberal arts college, similar to here, um, in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In Pittsburgh, where? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called La Roche College. It's in the North Hills area of Pittsburgh. So did you grow up in the Pittsburgh area? I did, yes. Wanting, wanting to be a scientist. Yes, and actually my mom is a microbiologist. Uh, she's retired, but uh, she was a clinical microbiologist, and I loved hearing her stories. A clinical microbiologist, mm. what did she do then? What does that mean? Yeah, she worked at um, St. Jude's Research Hospital in Memphis and at the University of Pittsburgh, and she uh, worked on virology, so the study of viruses and immunology. She actually became a college professor um, after her research career, basically, and I had her as my microbiology instructor. You did? And so that is a big, I think, probably why I'm a microbiologist today, yes. So she didn't turn you off of it, she turned you on to it. Yes, yes. That was very interesting hearing all of the, well, all of the crazy things that microbes can do, um, you know, with diseases, but there are so many good things too. So after your undergraduate, you were moved to go on to, how do you know that you want to go ahead and get your PhD? What, what right. comes up after you're done as an undergrad? Yeah, I, I actually did my master's first because I didn't know if I wanted to go on to research and I got paid to be a teaching assistant mm. and I actually played tennis for Duquesne University and uh, was, you know, able to get into a research lab as well. Okay, and you liked the, that's when you discovered you liked I the teaching? I loved it, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I worked in streptomyces there, mm-hmm. actually, so I come from a streptomyces lab. Um, and actually, my advisor, we still collaborate. And so I stayed in his lab for my PhD because I liked it so much. So I guess this is a good time to introduce streptomyces. Oh, <laughs> what, yes. What, what is streptomyces? Right. Streptomyces is a filamentous bacterium. So most people think of Escherichia coli or E. coli, mm-hmm. um, just like a rod-shaped cell that divides and um, just makes clones of itself. But Streptomyces actually has this very complex life cycle. So it's more like a filamentous fungus, but it is actually a bacterium. Huh. So... And what, what does it do? What is it? What, right. Why do we care about streptomyces? Right. Um, it's actually found in soils worldwide. It can decompose things. So, so in nature, um, it basically can compose, decompose things like chitinous exo, exoskeletons of insects. But it also, and this is why we're especially interested in it, 
is it produces over two-thirds of the commercially important antibiotics. It does. So, mm -hmm, as well as anti-tumor, anti-parasitic, and antiviral drugs. Wow. So what, why does it do that? Does it being filamentous have anything to do with that? Make these chemicals to kill what's around it, to defend itself, to eat? What? Right. Yeah, probably a combination of things. So most likely, yes, it's defending its area in the wild. But also, could these antibiotics actually be signaling molecules so they can actually kind of talk to each other mm -hmm. in, in their surroundings? Talk to, you mean other streptomyces? Other, yep, other streptomyces, maybe even other species. But Do but they yes. need each other? Do they form colonies? Do they need each other to survive? These are not just out there by themselves or... It has a very complex life cycle, so it can, yes, it can be very multicellular where it's branching and interacting probably with other communities of bacteria, but it also actually forms spores, which are resistant cells um, that can disperse in the environment and then start the life cycle again. Something gotcha. I was wondering about was um, earlier before the podcast started, you kind of told us about um, how... Streptomyces kind of gives soil its smell. Mm -hmm. So how does that kind of work? Yeah, um, so streptomyces literally makes dirt smell like dirt. Okay, so that earthy smell that you can smell kind of after the rain or the topsoil smell, mm -hmm. it has that, um, it has a special chemical that it produces called geosmin um, that gives that smell. That's really cool. And you can actually smell that today if you'd like. Because um, we have an incubator full of streptomyces growing. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah. without them, we wouldn't be able to smell like the dirt or anything like that? There are some other other things that go into that dirt smell, so some other organisms, but it, you'll you'll get to see it has that topsoil smell to it. So we'll recognize I love it that smell. And smell it. Yes, likely. I think so. Yeah, cool. Does that chemical do anything, have anything to do with how it acts, or is it just kind of like a byproduct? Like... Yeah, that's a good question. We do know that um, from other research that people have done that animals can smell it. Mm -hmm. And so they even have a paper where camels are able to detect that smell and find water. Wow, that's awesome. And, oh, man. Yeah. Is there like a bunch of different variations? Like do some smell different from others? Ooh, like my backyard from a, someone else's backyard? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Same. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I, from what I understand, it's geosmin, but I don't know if there's kind of different varieties, different flavors. Yeah, <laughs> good, different dirt questions. <laughs> is there like different variations of the Spectromyces? Of like, the Streptomyces? Yeah. Oh yes, there's hundreds of species known, and they're still discovering. You know, going yeah, out into the dirt seeing if there's new species that can be discovered. Yes. In fact, we study three species in the lab. Okay. Do you plan to grow? Do you plan to study other species, or do you just want to focus on the three? Uh, just keep it small? We'll probably focus just on the three, but what we're looking for is new genes involved in development and antibiotic production. Okay. So how did people find out that they made antibiotics? Like how long have we known that they have these amazing properties. Right. Oh, that's a good question. I would say, I want to say um, the one who made Streptomyces, I guess, famous would be uh, Hopwood. 
And Dr. Hopwood, he, or Professor Hopwood, he, um, I want to say back to the 60s. Mm-hmm. But so I, well into the era. I have to fact check on that. Okay. Yeah. Well into the era of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And, and some of the first antibiotics that were discovered were from Streptomyces species. They were. Mm-hmm. So Streptomycin, uh, Neomycin, oh. uh, that comes from, ne- you know, the Neosporin, that triple antibiotic. Uh-huh. It has Neomycin in it. Let's see. Salman Waksman actually won the Nobel Prize for doing a screen of over, I want to say, 10,000 different microbes from the soil and was able to discover um, the one of the first antibiotics. Oh, um, certainly there's ones before that. So like you probably have heard of maybe the story of penicillin yeah. that comes from a mold penicillium, but also in the, you know, found in the soil. So what is, uh, what is streptomycin kill? What does neomycin kill? How does it, how do it right. help us? So neomycin, for example, is one of the antibiotics found in neosporin. Mm-hmm. And so that's great for putting on, you know, topically on cuts and scrapes. Um, we use antibiotics in the lab actually quite often because we can select against bacteria that we don't want to grow. Mm-hmm. And we can select for, um, we make a lot of mutants in our lab, and so we can select for the mutants that we want. Ooh, tell me about mutants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you mean by mutants, and what, um, why? Why for? Yeah, so actually, um, pretty much everyone in my lab is working on mutants, or most of them. Um, so Ashley and Punktia also uh, work on, on different mutants or are trying to create different mutants, depending on the, what the case may be. Sometimes we're deleting whole genes mm-hmm. and seeing what the phenotype is, what does the bacterium look like once we've deleted that gene. Um, sometimes we're looking at just one nucleotide change. Okay, so it's just a small change, and maybe it was, you know, found spontaneously. Okay, where is that mutation, and what does it do? You know, what's it, um, what gene is the mutation in? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we figure out or make our mutation, we can learn more about what that gene does. And that's like our real real game, I guess, our, our main main thing. We're trying to characterize new genes that other labs have never never looked at or at least aren't that well studied. And is this is this very directed study like you know, we want to find something that has this property to make this drug or is this mm-hmm. we're finding out what this stuff does and then other people take what what creature these creatures will create and just getting get some background research on how they work and then other researchers take particular properties and run with it yes yeah, so so i think you're asking like if this can feed into other research or so. are you pursuing you know pointed i oh, want right. to make this kind of property yes yeah, sometimes um so our our biggest um, goal is to find out what the particular gene does and learn more about it. But yes, maybe um, it could be used as a target for a drug or antibiotic in the future to treat a particular disease. 
Okay. So, you want to introduce yourself? Yep. So, my name is Ashney. I'm a senior at Otterbein. Mm -hmm. And, Ashney, tell me a little bit about what you do and, and how do you do it? I mean, Jennifer mentioned you delete genes. You, how, how, did, how does one delete a gene? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yep. So, the strain that I work it with is Streptomyces scabies. Um, so what that does is create a scab disease within potatoes and different radish seedlings um, that we see in agriculture. So I work with those, and like Dr. Bennett said, I'm working on deleting a gene called RMDA within scabies right now. Mm -hmm. It's a long and very thorough process of deleting the gene. Um, we use a, something called a redirect protocol, which works by kind of using this recombinant system to go in delete that gene, and then we mate that into streptomyces eventually through a series of steps. So is this doing CRISPR, as we've all heard about in the news, like actually gene uh, monkeying with the gene through going in with another virus and cutting out, snipping out bits of it? And uh, Tell me how you do it. <laughs> yeah, so um, CRISPR is different from redirect. They're kind of two different things, but they work, like you said, by going in, and I could talk about this in, in a lot of depth, but it uses a lambda red recombinant system is how Redirect does that deletion. Um, so yeah, it'll go in uh, with this bacteriophage and then delete the gene, yeah. and that's how we'll get it. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. How do you take the gene out? Like, do you like, <laughs> put like a solution in it, or do you just... Yeah, so um, the steps kind of work. You, so you first do it in E. coli is how we start out doing it. Um, and we'll use the antibiotic resistance genes that Dr. Bennett talked about to kind of select for genes that we want to keep and th those that we don't want to keep. So it's like a blockade almost, and it like, well, let like some through, and then the other ones are just stuck? Yeah, kind, like, of, kind of, yeah. In similar terms? <laughs> yeah. So where do the, the genes that get like stuck, where do they like go? So do you mean the ones that stay? Yeah, so you keep some, and then you take some out, so... The ones that are left behind, like, are they just, what, what, do you, what do you do with them? So we, wa so we want to keep all the genes in besides RMDA, which is the specific deletion we want to see. So it would just be getting rid of that one specific okay. gene. Everything else would stay the way it is. Okay. And when you say you do it with using E. coli, does the E. coli infect, the, the particular E. coli you want infect the cell? And, and, and... I mean, what happens? <laughs> what happens in the cell? It's definitely yeah, very it's complex. Into, yeah, <laughs> that's true. So it's very molecular genetic engineering for just the purpose of seeing what happens when that gene is gone. Uh -huh. uh, but you could you could try taking it. Go ahead. So yeah, what we do is we use E. coli as our base, mm -hmm. and then we have a plasmid that has the genes on it, and that's what we use to then delete the gene in. So those plasmids will be transformed into E. coli, mm -hmm. and then that's how we take that transformation then into streptomyces. So when you say take it into it, it you just stick those plasmids in a jar with streptomyces, and they... they... Um, so we use a technique called electroporation, okay. which is how you take a plasmid from the E. coli and and transform it into mm -hmm. streptomyces. So yeah, that's the method that we use. Yeah, so basically they're all together in a, a tube. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, the DNA that you want and the, the E. coli cells, and then you're hitting them with electricity basically ah. um, to punch holes through the E. coli. The 
DNA goes in and then the deletion is constructed on that, that piece of DNA, which is later introduced back into streptomyces. How long did it take you? Tell me about your educational <laughs> journey and how long it took you to understand what the heck is going on. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I started research early on in my freshman year. I'm in the direct admit medical program, so I'll be attending medical school next fall. And I actually did research a little bit in high school. I worked in a neuroscience lab um, at Ohio Wesleyan University. And so I was interested then, and when I came into undergrad, I knew I wanted to start, so I had reached out to Dr. Bennett to talk about different research possibilities. And it was definitely an uphill battle, I think, especially just because just taking regular bio, biology and chemistry, my introductory classes, I felt overwhelming to learn all this information because it's even hard to explain now to you know, someone who's just starting out. So yep, it took a while. Um, the deletion, I've been working on it. I finished it. So I finished the deletion this summer and I just have to verify it um, now to make sure it actually worked. But yeah, the entire process of redirecting or to, of deleting takes around 10 hours or so. And it's taken multiple trials. It took me five times to get that deletion to actually go through. So. And then how do you know it worked? You can then sequence the genome of the, the streptomyces that you created? We use PCR verification to see um, so we'll use a wild type and then the deletion. They have different band sizes. It's around a thousand base pair difference. So when you run a gel with those, it's pretty easy to see the longer band versus the shorter band to ensure that that deletion happened. PCR, isn't that the same way that you test for, uh, to see if someone has COVID or? Yeah, yeah. It is? Real-time PCR is used to test for COVID, yep. So you're looking at the level of one cell, one, one bacterium. Mm -hmm. the, the streptomyces and then you try to if you get the one that you want then you try to get that one to grow yeah so we use colonies grow up colonies on plates um, generally there will just be one colony that you usually get we'll use that single colony to then go into the next steps of the deletion so it kind of amplifies from there so you've got the one that you want now growing yes you've got colonies you've got pets <laughs> I've got, got my people <laughs> I've got my deletions yep so we're just waiting to verify it and then what, what do you expect that to do, that, that new colony you grew? Yeah, so like I said, then um, once you make sure that it's deleted with an E. coli, we'll go ahead and put that, uh, transform it into streptomyces. Mm -hmm. And then once it's in streptomyces, we're going to do a couple different tests, compare it to the wild type to see what role the gene of RMDA has within um, scabies. So... Like I said, I work in scabies. We've also done coelacolor. So we've looked at the RMDA and RMDB deletion within coelacolor. And we saw that there was a less aggressive infection when the gene was deleted. So we want to see if it has similar results in scabies. And even if a double deletion between RMDA and RMDB would stop infection um, totally. So all the way down the road, someday you're hoping that to help farmers fight scabies and potatoes and uh, yeah. root crops. Yeah, so uh, Streptomyces scabies is on the USDA prevalent pest list for agriculture. Mm -hmm. So it definitely affects a lot of the crops that we see in potatoes and radish seedlings, as, as I had said earlier. So we'd be able to hopefully delete that gene, have less scabies within the potatoes and help the agricultural world. But yeah. That's very cool. But you want to go to med school and heck with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it actually has uh, virulence factors as well that we can apply to human infections. So it's very applicable to what I'll be studying in medical school and infectious diseases. So 
Do you think you want to go into research? Do you think you want to treat people with infectious diseases? What do you think you want to do? Um, I think the latter. So I am looking at schools that have a big research emphasis along with clinical care, uh, especially in different populations within the U.S. and underserved populations. They have a lot of infectious diseases that aren't very highly studied, so I'd like to help with those. And Fangthia? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you do with these little friends that you're trying to grow. Yeah, so the project that I'm working on is a continuation of what Dr. Bennett has done in a collaboration with Dr. McCormick at Duquesne University. And for that project, they started by, I should probably explain the life cycle of streptomyces first, because this has to do with the cell division process of streptomyces. So Dr. Bennett said that it was a complicated life cycle. Mm -hmm. It starts as a spore, and that spore goes into the substrate. It forms vegetative hyphae under the surface. Kind Those of, are little tendrils that wind their way along through the soil or yeah. the substrate. Okay. And its growth is similar to that of fungi, so it's got those tendrils going under, and then it has aerial filamentous hyphae that form above the surface. And looking at that with the naked eye, it's kind of gray and fuzzy, kind of like mold. Mm. So this aerial hyphae it's kind of like one long strain of streptomyces. So when cell division happens, it forms these evenly spaced cross walls along that chain, which breaks off and that is the new spore during sporulation. So that's the cell division process. Okay. For streptomyces. Okay. So there's these two genes that play a really big role in cell division, especially for streptomyces, FTSC and FTSQ. FTSZ is responsible for forming these things called Z-rings, and it's kind of just like a scaffolding that forms during that cleavage or when those cross walls are forming, and FTSQ also plays a role in those cross walls formation. For the start of this project in the McCormick lab, Dr. Bennett and Dr. McCormick, they constructed this strain where they deleted FTSQ from Streptomyces. And another fun fact is that Streptomyces is actually the only bacteria genus that can survive with these genes canceled or deleted. Huh. So because these play such a big role in cell division, other bacteria genuses cannot survive if you delete this gene. Okay. So that's why Streptomyces is so interesting as a subject for bacterial genetic research. So they deleted FTSQ from Streptomyces, and when they streak that strain, you can see that there's a lot less gray fuzzy growth of the naked eye compared to the wild type. And it forms this blue pigment, which is a overproduction of actinorodin, which is just an antibiotic as like a stress response. Looking at this strain under the microscope, you can see that the cross walls are actually either not there or way less consistent. They're almost not present. So it's removed its abilities to form those cross walls and sporulate. When they streak this deletion strain over and over again, they found this spontaneously generated mutation. So now they found this new strain on the plates that appeared red instead of blue. And this was an overproduction of undecil protogeosin, which is just another antibiotic. <laughs> <laughs> they were able to find that this gene of interest for this new mutation was in a gene that encodes for a histidine kinase. A histidine kinase is a protein that is responsible for signal transduction and, and stress response regulation. Mm. Histamine, is it like a histamine that, you know, if you, if you have an antihistamine, you have less allergy 
issues? No, it's actually, it's called a histidine kinase. Um, a histidine is actually an amino acid. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, kinase, it's basically a regulatory gene. It, turn, it helps modulate, it turns things on, turns things up, turns things down, turns things off, kind of? Yeah, it's almost like a, it's part of a two-component system, mm-hmm. and it's the sensor part. Oh. And then... And then there's a response regulator, typically, and in this case, yes. Okay. So we know that in streptomyces that it plays a role in stress um, response and regulation. But when we looked at this new red strain under a microscope, the cross walls were actually recovered. So this new strain was able to recover its ability to form those cross walls. It wasn't as even as the wild type, mm-hmm. but it still regained that ability, Okay, which is really cool. So is it basically like the same exact thing that it is in the wild, just a little rougher because it's going through like Almost. Progression? It's like it's trying its best yeah. <laughs> to regain that ability. So because we already know that the histamine kinase has something to do with stress response and regulation in streptomyces, but because when this mutation was found in this gene, it can suggest that it also plays a new novel role in cell division. Mm -hmm. So now what we're working on right now is deleting this gene that we found this mutation in, in both the wild type and the suppressor strain. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what the results are. And hopefully it will help us determine a new role for the histine kinase in cell division. And it will also help us understand how cell division works more in bacteria. So it has implications for lots of different kinds of bacteria, not just streptomyces. It could. It, it could. could. What, uh, what, what was the process for isolating two double mutant strains? I saw you were doing some research on that in some of the articles that we were looking at. It's, it's interesting. Is that like how research is done these days with a lot of bacterium is create mutants to study what their genes are doing yes yeah okay um so yeah there's a variety of ways you can do it and and CRISPR is one of them we've started using CRISPR but we haven't really gone down that path a lot um I have done it in one of my classes so like my whole cell biology class got to use CRISPR wow um which was really cool what what is CRISPR Oh, CRISPR. Oh, my goodness. It's just like the brief uh, definition of what so, it is. Uh, but yeah, CRISPR is basically um, gene editing. Okay. And it's uh, from basically... So that's like how you make the mutant strains. You just edit the genes with CRISPR. Right, okay. yes, with CRISPR, which is kind of like a... It, it actually comes from bacteria in defense of viruses. So it's, it's derived from... CRISPR is derived from bacteria... You can use it in bacteria, but you can use it in basically any organism. Okay. So why do you use the uh, gene recombination tools that you have versus CRISPR? Right. How long have you been using them? We use Redirect because um, it's it's pretty easy to use. Uh, well, you may disagree with me a little bit because it takes a while, definitely. I mean, it's not really easy but but we've been doing it and we have deleted genes using that Mm -hmm. and so to switch to something newer like CRISPR and start using it yeah that sounds exciting and we probably will play with that and and use it 
but sometimes you just want the gene deleted and we have a way to do it and, and that's why we're using it. It also uses, um, as Ashni said, um, the uh, three proteins from a bacterial virus so okay. to actually do the deletion. And uh, why, other than Streptomyces is interesting, um, and it has connotations for agriculture and, and human infection. Are, you, are there a lot, where is Streptomyces research going? Are there a lot of Streptomyces researchers or is this um, kind of your house? <laughs> right, okay. No, um, there are a fair amount throughout the world. There are Streptomyces researchers in cell division, in bacterial signaling. Certainly a, a big Streptomyces field now is finding new Streptomyces for antibiotics and comparing genomes to see if maybe, since we can sequence whole genomes so easily now, you know, looking at could there be some biosynthetic gene clusters that might be there just from the sequence analysis that could be new antibiotic producers? So, because so, there's yeah. a huge need for new antibiotics, right? That... Yes, but there's not a lot of companies that are interested because it's not as lucrative as other drugs. And so, do you guys get f outside funding for this work? Um, from, from, I don't know, federal mm -hmm. government, from, from corporations? How, how do you get this stuff done? Yeah, we, we have. Um, so, so we've had, um, in the past, I've had a, a Merck AAAS grant, a sub-award for NSF. Um, right now, we have a fair amount of internal funding. And so, so mm -hmm. yeah, we, we do get funding, but... Funding but it varies, yeah, with what we have at a particular time. Gotcha. How, how much microbiotic research is going on at Otterbein? Oh, in my lab, we do have a very big lab. So I have 10 undergraduate students right now who are at varying stages. Mm -hmm. um, so both Ashni and Funthea are seniors. And then we have, I don't think we have any first-year students right now, but mm -hmm. sophomores and up. And you still work with a professor from Duquesne. Is that true? or, or That is true, yes. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of different um, uh, labs that I do collaborate with as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is this how the, the bulk of microbiotic or biology research goes on? Is it universities like Otterbein? Um, is it more common that it's done at huge universities like your neighbor down the street, right. the Ohio State University? Mm -hmm. Right. I, I would say it's probably more common at, at larger universities, so Otterbein's pretty unique in the amount of hands-on, but there are small universities that, that have research. Um, it's just we do have a lot of really, really interesting research at Otterbein in general. I think people picture that this is going on at Harvard and, and MIT and, you know, <laughs> Yale and things like that, and they don't understand that it goes on all around us, all, all over, universities all over, right? I think that's very true, yes. Cool. And tell me a little bit about how you came to be knee-deep in streptomyces. So, so I came from a slightly different background in biology. I am from Dallas, Texas, so I spent a lot of my childhood volunteering at the Dallas Zoo. I had a really big interest in zoological and veterinary science. 
And that is why I decided to come to Otterbein because their, their zoo and animal track seemed really engaging. I took Dr. Bennett's bioinformatics course around sophomore year, and we were doing things like using Genius Prime, which is just a software for observing genes and gene mutations. We were doing that for streptomyces, and we were also constructing some primers that she could use in her lab as well. And so when I found out that this stuff was actually applicable to her research, I reached out and asked if I could work there over the summer. And that was two summers ago, and now I'm here. And now, are you changing majors? Are you going down this route? Or are you going to go back to the zoo world? So I'm still a biology major, but mm -hmm. I love microbiology, and I plan on studying microbiology for graduate school. That's very cool. Who would have <laughs> thought that you could do... I, how long has it been since undergraduates could study gene deletion and, and work in labs? Who would I have thought? I never did that, yeah. yeah. No? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I was That's... definitely calling home about it. <laughs> So, uh, one question that the students had was, what is some advice for students, right? Yeah. I think what I would say is, you have to kind of get out there and see what your university offers. As a freshman, I knew I wanted to get involved in research, so I was talking to multiple different professors to see, you know, what different things they're doing. Um, like Dr. Bennett said, she has quite a large lab, but she's one of the only labs who does microbiology research here at Otterbein. Um, so we had a lot of different specialties going on within lab. So I'd say just kind of finding your whatever your niche is, and then after that, reaching out to the professors. They're, they can be really welcoming, um, and they always want students to join in, in their labs. So yeah, really putting yourself out there. Yeah, I think also definitely stepping outside of your comfort zone or whatever your field of interest may be. I mean, it's just really fun. You might have paid to be here, so you should get your money's worth and you know talk to all your professors, get as much help as you can, and just see like what other activities or classes are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you also have the opportunity to sit in with your friends if you ask nicely, and you can explore just all these different fields. Well, let's see, we were going to get to uh, check out your lab and see where this goes on. Is that right? That sounds great. Awesome. All right. <laughs> All right, so next we traipse down the hall of the Shear McFadden Science Center over at Otterbein, and we got to go where the action happens. We got to see the labs where streptomyces are grown and manipulated. Whoa. Okay, so how big really is a streptomyces? And can you really see it grow? <laughs> you can see colonies of them grow. And you will see on our website, actually, a bunch of photographs that were made by, uh, I guess they call it Petri dish art. Oh, yes, cool. Yes, you streak the dish with the bacterium, inoculate the dish, and it grows, and different bacteria produce different colors. And we get to hear a little bit about that here. Oh, fun. And Who you knew you were going to have art class during the research class? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's very cool. So let's take a listen. Okay, so we're in a teaching lab looking at an incubator, which is a big rectangular box that keeps stuff. What temperature do these things have to be grown at? The streptomyces especially likes 30 degrees Celsius. Do you smell it? Oh, yeah. It, it's the cleanest looking refrigerator or 
oven that I've ever seen and the doors open and out wafts the smell of dirt. That's wild. And you can see they're very beautiful with the pigments that they produce. As time goes on, so you wait, get who, more. who was working on the red and blue red? You, you, you are. Funkthea, we were working. Are these your samples here? These are not my samples. I'm doing the gene deletion process with the right E. coli now. first. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So, and so, so this is one older than the other. Is that that's like, exactly right. This is actually the wild type early on. Okay, so this is only a few days old versus many couple weeks okay so you can see um, that overproduction of the blue pigmented antibiotic it's almost like they, black right it's it gets very dark so that's and the so you can see the, that that blue color on the back the antibiotic production is usually timed with aerial hyphae formation in the life cycle so eventually we'll cover the whole petri dish the blue pigment most likely and it's close to being there yes <laughs> and you can see the little droplets on the bacterial colonies those are actually antibiotics oh wow being produced streptomyces silicolor produces at least four antibiotics two of which are pigmented so do you extract it from that uh we could we have not um but we're more looking okay if we make a mutation do we get an overproduction or an underproduction of that particular antibiotic. So it takes some time before you can actually work with it. You just want to see like how it reacts and everything and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yes. It does smell very dirt, dirt like, but like that clean dirt, not not like yeah. Dirt. I <laughs> I love the smell personally. I don't know if anyone else likes it, but <laughs> yes, okay. And Some are shaking their heads, yes. <laughs> why is it not completely covered? It, there's an area, we'll have photos on our website yeah. uh, showing what the dish looks like, but there's a portion of the dish that has, it looks like the there was lots of bacteria deposited in one spot and then a few stripes and then a, one area with just a few dots. What's that about? Right, okay, so this is actually how we streak them. So we use sterile toothpicks and we do a dense part of the streak where we go back and forth in a tight zigzag pattern, get rid of that toothpick, get a new toothpick, and do four streaks in a different direction. Okay. Then get rid of that toothpick, do another four streaks, and typically another, well, sometimes we only do three, but, but the idea is that you get single colonies in addition to the dense part, and you can see better what those colonies look like. Oh, okay. But yeah, these are the exact same strain, just at different time points. So how many bacteria do you usually are in like one, one wee colony, one dot? On oh, yeah. Thing? It depends on the size of the colony. It could be 10 to the 8th, 10 to the 12th, 10 to the... Yeah, and they just keep growing. So they're, they're doubling over time. Well, here they're filamentous, though. In E. coli you would just have this, you know, single cell doubling. But here we have all these filaments and that's why it gets so fuzzy. Mm -hmm. um, it has this equalized kind of boring looking, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Streptomyces has all these beautiful colors and, and the colonies have a lot of character to them. You can kind of see the, the wrinkled appearance and, 
and then the antibiotic droplets. Eventually, do you think you'll be able to make the rainbow with every garment? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, we have auger art. So we do auger art at Otterbein. And so we actually draw with bacteria. We Is use Petri dishes as our... Tell us about the um, art exhibit. Yeah, so every year we have a STEM art show. It's hosted at The Point, and anyone can go see it. And it's you can do any art medium as long as it has something to do with STEM. So we have drawings, sculptures, pictures. So there's a lot of photography that's popular. And we have agar art, which is hosted by Dr. Bennett in the microbiology lab. And this is also an activity that we open up to the public. So anyone can come in and do it, even if you're not an Otterbine student. You mean do the art or see the art? Both. Whoa. So you can make your own agar art as a non-student. And you can use different types of plates, which have different um, nutrient needs. And you can use like different bacteria to make different colors. So I actually, I won People's Choice last you year. You did? I did. Can we get a picture? Can you send us a picture? I will send you Definitely a picture. Definitely put it on the website. One was a message to my mom in Mandarin, and another one, I did it on this plate that has blood cells in it, and you can use flesh-eating bacteria that Ooh. they basically lyse. <laughs> our, our strains are safe, but not flesh. Not flesh, sorry, not flesh-eating, lysing, lysing cells. So these, or sorry, lysing Once flesh-eating bacteria, now <laughs> rendered safe. So... So some bacteria strains, they crack open or lies open blood cells. Huh. So you can see that happening in some of our plates that have, I think, sheep's blood in it. And it produces this yellow color as a reaction. And so I drew my dog being walked. <laughs> and then I used that bacteria to create a yellow effect. How did you pick a dog being walked to be grown in sheep's blood? <laughs> um, because I thought that, you know, when you walk the dog to relieve itself, I thought that the yellow pooling would be really funny. <laughs> so. What is agar? I forget. I know that not all of the plates are, are agar. You've just explained that there are other material that you can grow bacteria on for studying them. But what is agar? Um, yeah, it comes from algae. Mm -hmm. It's like a jelly almost. Um, it's actually used in desserts and stuff in Asian culture, and it's kind of moved to the West also as a gelatin, a vegan gelatin replacement. But so the stuff on the dish, you can just eat it? No. But not now. Not now. <laughs> yeah, is a streptomyces, if you, I don't know, do you have to be careful not to get skin infections from this, or is it yeah, not a, a... that's a good question. So most streptomyces cause no disease. Mm -hmm. um, so streptomyces celicolor is is totally safe you can pick it up there's only a couple streptomyces species that infect humans and then um, there's several that infect plants but most the vast majority of streptomyces species are just harmful harmless in the environment but even like scabies that infects potatoes humans can eat them and it's fine i've heard of scabies and i was i thought it was a, a human Skin infection is yeah. it is it the same thing? Yeah, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> isn't sca I thought scabies was caused by mites or something like that on people. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But this is different. So okay. the streptomyces strain. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, this causes common scab on potatoes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and scab. It just looks bad. I thought that mm -hmm. it could like take down a whole potato, like make the harvest not. It's not marketable. Okay. So yeah. so it really. It's economically. 
I need to know the next time I can draw on a dish. Next October? The next, yeah, yeah. next October we'll do an auger, another auger workshop. So what would you think? That was our visit with Dr. Bennett and the Department of Biology over there at Otterbein. So what do you think? That was our visit with Dr. Bennett. Yeah, gosh. I mean, once again, it just exemplifies why we're doing our podcast, Ohio Sci, because there is so much cool science going on right here, and especially at the universities. They're doing such cool research. And with undergraduates. Yeah. And who knows what it's going to lead to someday. I mean, just because it's not producing a drug right now that will save mankind doesn't mean that that's not important. That's how we get there. Yes, totally. Yeah, so I definitely want to thank Dr. Bennett for letting us into her lab and letting us bother her and Ashney and Funkthea, and I wish them all the best of luck. They're seniors. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Can't so wait to see where they go. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I want to shout out to our professors from the storytelling class at Audubon University, uh, Professor Burke and Professor Moon. Gosh, letting us, you know, use the students in their class. They have been so helpful for us on this podcast. Matiana, Ryan, and Dean specifically helped on this one, but there's two more that also helped on others. So, gosh, we've had a lot of fun with these students. Yes, I'm looking forward to maybe working with more students in the future and definitely more professors. Yes. Well, that concludes this episode of Ohio Sci. We'll see you for our next episode. Yeah, check out our website ohioside.com you can find our other episodes there make sure that you check out our facebook page we need a catchphrase for the end of ohio side yeah how, something about how science changes the world or um check out our next episode of ohio side and get a front seat to hear about the science that makes the world change sounds good all right use it <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ohio Sci. Connect with us on our website, ohiosci.com.